Here, take it away, Pastor. Greetings in that strong and blessed name of Jesus. Praise our God. Welcome to Fully Alive. Well, we're studying uh, the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Amen. It's been an exciting uh, study for us. And today we're looking at uh, verses 1 through 13. Maybe we'll go a little further. Uh, our focus today is the parable of the dishonest manager or the deceitfulness of wealth. We want to be balanced here. Praise God. That's the strong word, balance. Anyway, um, begin reading in uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Well, praise our God. Uh, let's just gonna stop right there, and we're going to uh, pick up again. But listen, I just want to play on this word disciple. And he said unto his disciples, uh, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accusing him that he had wasted his goods. Now, uh, the expression his disciples. Now, this is according to Barnes, uh, uh, notes on the Bible. Uh, he says that the word disciples here is not to be restricted to the 12 apostles or to the 70. The parable appears to have been addressed to all the professed followers of the Savior who were present when it was delivered. It is connected with that in the preceding chapter. Jesus had there been uh, discoursing with the scribes and Pharisees and vindicating his conduct in receiving kindly publicans and sinners. Now, these publicans and sinners are here particularly referred to by the word disciples. It was with reference to them that the whole discourse had arisen after Jesus had shown the, the Pharisees in the preceding chapter the propriety of his conduct. It was natural that he should turn and address his disciples among them that among them there might have been some who were wealthy. The publicans were engaged in receiving taxes, uh, in collecting money, and their chief danger arose from that quarter from covetousness or dishonesty. Jesus always adapted his instructions to the circumstances of his hearers. And it was proper, therefore, that he should give these disciples instructions about their special duties and dangers. He related this parable, therefore, to show them the danger of the love of money, the guilt it would lead to. Luke 16, 1. The perplexities and shifts in which it would drive a man once he had been dishonest. Luke 16, 3 through 7. The necessity of using money aright, since it was their chief uh, business. Luke 16, 9. And the fact that if they would serve God aright, they must give up supreme attachment to money. Luke 16, 13. And that the first duty of religion demanded that they should res resolve to serve God and be honest in the use of wealth entrusted to them. This parable was given, has given great perplexity 
and many ways have been devised to explain it. Yeah, I tell you, it's a tough one. Amen. There's a number of ways you can go. And again, Barnes was thinking that the word uh, disciples here was abroad because there was a mixed audience that Jesus was speaking to others. Uh, focus uh, clearly on the disciples themselves. But either way, he was speaking to a, a mixed audience, okay? And the whole audience would be benefiting from what he had to say. Anyway, so uh, again, Luke 16, 1. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused of him that he had wasted his good. Now, a steward, that word steward. Now, steward was one who has charge of the affairs of a family or households, whose duty it was to provide for the family uh, to purchase provision, etc. This is, of course, uh, an office of trust and confidence. It affords great opportunity for dishonesty and waste, for embezzling property. The master's eye could not always be on the steward. And he may therefore squander the property or hoard it up for his own use. It was an office commonly conferred on a slave as a reward for fidelity. And of course was given to him that in long service had shown himself most trustworthy. By the rich man here is doubtless represents God. By the steward, those who are his professed followers particularly the publicans who were with the Savior and whose chief danger arose from the temptations to improper use of money entrusted to them. Again, that was from Barnes, okay? So I like to say, though, as we move forward, that pastors uh, and religious leaders, in particular pastors, are stewards. I mean, guys, first of all, they're stewards of God's word. They have a responsibility entrusted to them to rightly divine God's word and minister to the people of God. They are stewards of God's people. They are to watch over the flock, amen, to protect them. So uh, they are stewards of God's money, yes. And uh, and sometimes, you know, depending on the structure of the organization, you know, uh, the money that comes in, pastors certainly have a responsibility to be good stewards, you know. And, you know, uh, particularly, you know, when you found a church, you know, I planted a couple of churches. And, and as the churches began to grow, you know, you, you, you want it set up properly so that there's accountability. But, you know, uh, what I found is that uh, my board, they just wanted to give me, uh, you know, I founded the church. So it was like I had absolute authority. And I was trying to get my uh, trustees to to hold me accountable. You know, I say, look, holy folks, you have to hold me responsible, you know. And obviously I had a, a responsibility to be a good steward, but, you know, I still like those checks and balances, okay. Praise God. So pastors are stewards. You know, but one of the areas I found that pastors are steward, stewards in was my time because, you know, uh, you know, nobody was making me punch a clock. Nobody was making me get up in the morning at a certain time. Nobody was making me be responsible. But I had to be a steward of my own time. I had to be responsible. I could have been out on the golf course all day. You know, nobody was watching me. <laughs> so pastors are, are stewards. Amen. 
praise God, stewards of their time and service to God. Well, praise our God. Anyway, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 2. Amen. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. And the brother didn't try to defend himself. He knew he was guilty. <laughs> well, praise God. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. He says, I cannot dig. And to beg, I'm ashamed. Now, you know, a brother may not have been physically able to dig ditches. He, he, or, or, or to work on a farm or do manual labor. But the brother says, you know, I can't dig. So what can I do? And he says, uh, I'm too proud to beg. <laughs> the song. <laughs> well, praise that brother's too proud to beg. Listen. So he says, I am resolved, verse 4, what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors. And I don't know how many he had, but the scripture deals with two or three. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owes thou to my Lord? Six, verse six. And he said, A hundred measures of all. And he said unto them, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, write fifty. And then he said to another, How much owes thou? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto them, Take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord, verse eight, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And then he said, for the children of this children of this world in their generations are wiser than the children of the light. Mm, a profound statement. And what does it mean? Amen. Well, first of all, he did not commend his dishonesty. He did not commend the dishonesty of this steward. Amen. But he commended his shrewdness, his wisdom under pressure. Mm, okay. All right. And so and he said, for the children of this world, in their generation, the wisest and the truth of men. And I believe what he's saying when it comes down to the business of this world, it, 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 the children of this world seem to uh, be more astute businessmen, probably than the sons of light. And maybe it's because the sons of light are focused on other things. I don't know, but he said that the children of this generation uh, in this world, in their generational wiser than the children of men. So, I mean, we can learn some things from honest business practice, okay? But we don't want to learn anything. We don't want to learn dishonest business practice, okay? Well, praise our God. Anyway, it's a number of ways to approach uh, this parable, uh, particularly as we get into the next verse, because as we said before, here's all kind of approaches here and lots of debate. And verse 9 says, And I say unto you, uh, make to yourselves, he says, friends of mammon, of unrighteousness, that when you fail, that you may that they may receive you into everlasting habitations. What is he talking about? I might ask, who is he talking to? I mean, obviously he had a, a mixed audience, but who is this thought addressed to? And I say unto you, you who? 
Make to yourself friends of mammon of, of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you in the everlasting habitation. Now, some people, uh, when they read that, they're saying, well, he was, you know, because, I mean, obviously, there's, there's probably a positive and there's a, a negative approach because <clears throat> a, a, a negative approach would be he is speaking to uh, those meant on dishonesty. And he said to you, yeah, okay, go ahead and make to yourselves friends of mammon of unrighteousness. When you fail, they may receive you and ever has everlasting habitation. Now, that seemed to imply in eternity. So you, 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 you go ahead and make friends, you, you show favor to uh, 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 those uh, those friends of, of mammon of unrighteousness and, and so and they're going to receive you into heaven, everlasting habitations you know in an eternity in hell because of your attitude and your actions your your behavior or it could have been a, a positive it could say well it could, it could mean saying well why don't you take the riches and the wealth that you have okay uh and use it for us uh, uh trusting god to give you wisdom be in balance okay because uh uh, you know, seem to imply there's a certain amount of deceitfulness in riches, the scripture teaches, but it ain't, uh, uh, riches in itself is not bad, okay, and so if God has allowed you to gain wealth, let this wealth then be used to God's glory, be balanced, yes, there's a deceitfulness, all right, but you can be prayed up, and you can trust the Holy Ghost, and you can use that wealth uh, to the glory of God, and so you'll uh, use it wisely, and you're laying up treasures in heaven, okay? And so it's a couple of ways that uh, you can apply that, okay? Uh, but let the Holy Spirit direct you. But there's an interest in scripture. Uh, what, who's he talking to? Uh, what does he mean? Like I said, there's a lot of approaches on this scripture. Anyway, so, so this idea of uh, mammon of unrighteousness, okay? Uh, mammon... A Syriac, a Syriac word meaning riches, okay? It is used also of an idol, uh, the god of riches, okay? So, uh, you can't serve God in mammon, the, the god of riches, okay? Okay, and so again, a Syriac word meaning riches, it is used also of... Uh, Amen. Of an idol. Uh, <laughs> amen. Of, and let's go a little further. So it says mammon of, of unrighteousness. Uh, these words are an Hebrew expression for unrighteous mammon. The noun being used as an adjective as is common in the New Testament. The word unrighteous here stands opposed to true riches in Luke 16, 11, Okay. And and means deceitful, false, not to be trusted. It has this meaning often. Uh, well, of course, Scripture talks about uh, deceitfulness that that comes with riches. And uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, it does not signify, therefore, that they had acquired the property unjustly, but that property was deceitful and not to be trusted. The wealth of the steward was deceitful 
he could not rely on its continuance. It was liable to be taken away at any moment. So the wealth of the world is deceitful. We cannot uh, calculate on its continuance. It may give us support and comfort now, but it may soon uh, be removed or we taken from it <laughs> and, and, and we should therefore so use it as to the right benefit from it hereafter. So the idea is use the wealth and in a wise manner. Don't let it get a hold of you. Recognize that as God increase your property, as he increase your wealth, that, uh, you know, the enemy want to use it to stumble us. But, you know, praise God for wealth. Amen. Praise God for uh, riches. And I, I know I'm trusting the Lord to uh, increase uh, property. I'm just believing God for five houses fully paid for in his time. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get that, but I'm sure believing him for it. And so, and yeah, I want to use it wisely. Yeah, I know there's a certain amount of uh, deceit that comes with uh, riches, but uh, I believe that the Holy Ghost is able to keep us and that we can be balanced. But anyway, praise our God uh, as we continue on Luke 16, 10. He said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in that which is least is also uh, in much. You know, unjust in much. So the idea, though, is that even though you may be a, a believer, professing to be a believer, you know, if your character is a character of unfaithfulness in small things, God can't trust you. He can't promote you. He can't take you to another level because you've already proven unfaithful. Amen. And, and, and so that's an area you need to deal with and lay before the Lord. I believe God can break that thing in your life. Lord, I've been consistently unfaithful. I want to lay my heart on all to ask you to break uh, that area of my life. Uh, I, I want to surrender to change. I believe God can change that character. I believe you could submit it to the Holy Ghost and that God can bring you to a place of faithfulness and so that you can be faithful in little things so that he can promote you. Uh, someone was telling me, I believe it was the Salvation Army. Uh, this one guy came and he wanted to be used and he was gifted and the leader said uh, the job that I have for you is I want you to shine all those shoes <laughs> what and that brother had to humble himself and shine all those shoes and I don't know how long he had to shine them but but he was developing character faithfulness you know in the military uh, they have you in basic training picking up cigarette butts and you're like I didn't join the military to pick up cigarette butts, but you know, he is trying to teach you obedience because if you can pick up those cigarette butts because the, the sergeant told you to do it in combat, when he tell you that duck, you'll, you'll, you'll do that, you know, and, and save your life. But, but nevertheless, the scripture says, he that is faithful and that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust, in the least is unjust also in much. What is the Spirit of God saying to you? Uh, Father, I lay my heart on this altar before you, and you would uncover in my heart the areas that I am in unfaithful in the least so that I can bring that under submission to your Spirit because I do want promotion. Uh, so I commit that in your hand. Verse 11 says, if therefore you have not been unfaithful and unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, true riches? Amen. And so here again, you know, how am I handling finances? 
Lord, help me to bring my finances under submission to your spirit uh, in a greater way uh, because I do want promotion. Amen. Well, praise God. And then he goes on in verse 12. In, and if you have been have not been faithful in another man, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so mammon here again it, 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 it is is uh, uh, is money, the god of money, you know. And and uh, I know believers who've been caught up in mammon. Uh, uh, my goodness, and I, I'm not going to tell that story, but but yeah, I know believers who've been caught up in their desire for gain and have stumbled. You know, because I like what Jesus said. You know, you can't serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or you will hold the one and despise the other. And when it comes down to uh, where you are. What is God saying to you? Is he first? Because I believe what he's talking about here is, is absolute surrender. He's talking about uh, f putting him first. Is he first? You know, <clears throat> uh, is, uh, is my heart truly committed to his lordship? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I like uh, the scripture in Galatians what talks about that. Uh, <clears throat> talks in terms of a, uh, <clears throat> of a, of a, of a, a young man or, 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 or an heir, okay, uh, he's under tutors, okay, um, until he's old enough to manage the money. I mean, he may have well uh, uh, inherited millions, but they're they're under. He's under a steward as a child because he's got to learn how to manage the money, okay. And then when he is able to manage money, and then they begin to give him more responsibility, and God wants to bless us. But until we're able to manage it properly and be balanced, he's not going to let us have it. Amen. Until we can are willing to do what the Lord said to do with the money, he may not allow us to have that responsibility. Anyway, we're going to keep going. <laughs> Amen. Somebody said, Preacher, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, we're going to go a little further. Amen. The law and the kingdom of God. Amen. And Luke uh, chapter 16, verse 14, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. Yeah, they were upset because they perceived, you know what? Yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't like what he said because it's, you know, that thing is really cutting uh, right down where we live because, uh, you know, the Bible here says they were covetous and, and, and they were the religious leaders. And so that area of covetousness is an area and that if we're not careful, it'll get a hold of each of us. And so that idea of really laying our heart on the altar and let the Spirit of God really search me out, whew, uh, that is something else. Uh, really, we need to be careful that that's a Covetous is a natural flow, and we'll just find ourselves there. And so uh, that's an out-of-balance desire for gain. And so nothing wrong with gain, but we're talking about out-of-balance, okay? And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. And so he said to them, ye are they which justify yourselves before God. But God knoweth your heart for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of the Lord. 
Man, that's a mouthful there. That which is highly esteemed, that which men go after, that which the world exalts. Now, these are the things that appeal to us. Don't get it wrong. Now. Yeah, that which is highly esteemed, we are men. It appeals to our humanity. But we have to lay these things on all. What is God saying to us? Okay? And look at verse 16. And the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preaching. I want to just look at another scripture right quick in conjunction to where we are. Uh, and let's see, let me make sure. I, let me back it up here. Since I wasn't, I'm looking at a scripture in Matthew uh, chapter 11. And, and let's see. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 12. It says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it from by forth. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. And somebody said, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about there? And what I like about that is, again, I believe that Jesus is emphasizing to us, uh, putting God first. Uh, where is your passion? Uh, where is your commitment? What, what do you mean? Because uh, until the days of John the Baptist and now, amen, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. What, what do you mean? The violent take us by force. Those who have a deep passion for the things of God, passionate about the things of God, they seize on it. They lay hold to it. And, and no one nonchalantly enter into the kingdom of God but when God shows them the kingdom when God brings them to a place where they want the kingdom more than anything else they seize it and they keep that attitude uh, uh, as they walk with God that attitude of urgency that attitude of seizing upon the things of God putting the things of God first you know I believe that's uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Jesus is uh, bringing forth here. Anyway, uh, praise our God. Uh, well, praise our God. I'm trying to check my time out, but I am not. Oh, yeah, I see it. Okay. Praise our God. Amen. And so, at any point, uh, he says, The law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preaching. Every man presses into it. Uh, you got to press into the kingdom. You don't nonchalantly enter into the kingdom. You press into it. So I don't know where you are. And maybe you're someone who don't know God as your Lord and Savior. And maybe God has been speaking to your heart. Well, you got to press into the kingdom. You've got to come to a place where there's an urgency in your heart where you want God's way. Amen. And you want to commit to him as Lord of your life. Okay. Praise God. Uh, the violent, they seize it. You know, the, you know, they, you, it, it, it's a, uh, <laughs> well, praise God. Uh, it's something that you lay hold to and seize. You know, right? well, I hope that's your attitude when it comes down to God's kingdom. Anyway, uh, he goes on and make this statement. Amen. <clears throat> it is easy for it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tile of one law 
uh, of the law to fail. That's a good word there because Jesus says in another place that the word of God cannot be broken. The word of God cannot be fa cannot fail. The word of God is reliable. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never fail. And here he says, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than from one title of the law to fail. One tittle, okay? Listen, the word of God can't fail. You can, re you can depend on it. You can rely on it. Praise our God. Father, help me to move beyond faith to trust, you know, beyond faith to, to trust God, to just relax in the Lord, to just rest in the Lord in all areas of life. Amen. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Trust. We believe that trust moves us beyond faith. Yeah, I got faith. Amen. And biblical faith is the thing that I believe God for is mine now. But I want to move beyond that. I'm going to just trust him. Relax in the Lord. Well, praise our God. Amen. Listen, now, I just wanted to uh, give a plug in for our next message. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage divorce and remarriage part one marriage divorce and remarriage part one there's a lot of confusion about what the bible says about marriage divorce and remarriage now of course if you're just looking at this scripture you can be very confused because this next verse 18 says whosoever, put, whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from a husband committeth adultery and there are people who take this scripture and they forget about all the rest of the scriptures in the Bible and they just go for it okay well the Lord bless you Lord smile on you and give you peace. We'll see you next week. Amen.